Hey there, I'm Edwina Kennedy, registered pediatric dietitian and mom of two, and this is the My Little Eater podcast. Each week, I'll be dishing out all the best info on feeding and nutrition for your baby and toddler, answering all of your what do I do when scenarios, and helping you gain complete confidence in not only feeding your child, but in parenting as well. Every episode is filled with actionable and proven feeding strategies delivered by a mama and a feeding expert who's been there and done that. I hold your hand and I take you step-by-step through all stages of feeding while showing you how to implement what I teach you so that you can raise a happy and healthy little eater of your own. Let's do this. You guys, guess what? You are in for a treat today. Actually, I am in for a treat today because today I am interviewing Dr. Becky Kennedy. And if you don't know who she is just by me merely saying her name, I'm like, are you even on Instagram? Because I feel like she has taken over Instagram over the past year. Her content has been so resonating with so many parents out there. I feel like it's just exploded. And I'm so lucky that she finally had some time to kind of get on the podcast and have a conversation with us about what it's like to parent confident kids and how do we raise and instill confidence in our kids, self-esteem in our kids? How do we do this at the table? How do we as parents become more confident ourselves? All of these questions, you know this underlying theme is a huge one on this podcast and getting her perspective on it was so enlightening. I love, love, love hearing her definition of confidence. I think you're going to love it and I think it's going to resonate with you because it makes so much more sense to define it the way that she does versus kind of the way the mainstream media does. Does, I guess, or our culture does. So let me just give her a quick little intro again. If you don't know her background, Dr. Becky is a clinical psychologist and mom of three, and she specializes in helping people cope with anxiety and stress, improve relationship satisfaction and communication, and manage work-life pressures. Dr. Becky has an expertise in parenting and child development. She equips parents with tools to strengthen parent-child relationships, decrease problem behaviors, and build more peaceful homes. Dr. Becky specializes in helping individuals manage the challenges of being a working parent and so much more. So without further ado, let's just start this interview. Here she is, Dr. Becky Kennedy. Thank you so much for having me. So nice to really connect here. I know. I'm so, so excited. It's funny because we connected a while ago on Instagram. Don't even remember how we found each other, but I do know that the second I saw one of your very first videos, you know, all your video style content was just so captivating. And I immediately was like, I love this woman. And I love how she gets down to kind of the essence of a parent's problems. Like I always felt like parents were asking questions that they almost thought was the real problem, but you're like, no, 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 no. There's like a deeper issue here. And you would just explain it so clearly. So I love all of your work and I love following along on Instagram. And I'm so happy that you get to be here to talk with us today. Well, that means so much coming from you. So thank you. And I'm excited to dive in. Amazing. So what I think uh, would be best to start with is maybe just a little bit of an introduction as to who you are, but mostly I want to learn a little bit about how you got into the space where you're giving, you know, basically all this information and you have this whole online business running now. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your transition and your whole story to getting here. Yeah. So, okay. So I guess it all starts 
a couple years ago, I kind of MacGyvered this sleep button, a sleep product for my daughter who had a lot of struggles with sleep and very conflictual around sleep. A lot of, you know, I want you in my room. I don't want you in a room, but either way, it just meant nobody sleeping, going to bed, staying in bed, any of that. And I always think about sleep as separation struggles. And she's a kid where separation has been hard. So I kind of created this um, recordable button where she could have it in her room, kind of a way to have mom when you can't have mom, almost like on-demand breastfeeding, but on-demand mm-hmm. mom, you know, and you get a better version of mom than the mom who comes in the middle of the night because nobody likes that mom, me included. So I was working on this with a friend because I kind of have always had an urge to like, I don't know, put more out in the world. And then in the process of doing that, my sister and my husband said, you know, you should really write some of your thoughts down about parenting because if you're going to put a product into the world, people have to know who you are. And then my sister, who's a true millennial, said, you know, and you got to do it on Instagram. And I said, oh, never, never, <laughs> you know, no, it's not me. But then in the course of working on this product, we realized it was really the idea behind the product, not the product itself. That was compelling. We put the product itself on hold, but I had, I don't even know, 500 pages written down of like ideas. And so I heard my sister's voice saying Instagram. And I thought, well, I might as well live somewhere not on my computer and just put up posts. That was really it. I mean, I think underneath that is there's just nothing I find as interesting as human beings. Like I just find people interesting. I find kids endlessly fascinating and family systems, the combination of many people together and intergenerational patterns and different temperaments and birth order and our own histories coming alive as we're parents, as we both know, it just, there's nothing else I ever want to think and talk about. I mean, there's sometimes something else, but I, I really do find it very interesting. And so I just have a lot to say about it. And I love listening to people's stories and thinking through them kind of, as you said, and I actually think, I think I'm actually pretty comfortable with not knowing, which is one of the things that makes me passionate because not knowing what's going on for someone makes me really interested in kind of putting pieces together. And I just feel so honestly, so grateful that all of this has come to be starting an Instagram now and other platforms because it just lets me do more of what I find really interesting to do. That's so interesting to me. I love how it was just this like, let's put my voice out into the world. Let me just see if like anyone else agrees, you know, if if and if this resonates with anyone. And it was like boom, this huge explosion online. Yeah. I I had um 200 followers in mid-March. 2020. I started, I think it was February 28th. I put out a post. So it was like two weeks later, it was COVID central in New York. Right. And I put out this post about how kids will remember more about how their family homes felt during COVID than anything about the coronavirus itself. Kind of let's wire our kids for resilience, not panic. And then it was a carousel with a ton of information. And that post literally went viral. It exploded. It was crazy. And from there, It's led to me meeting amazing people like you and just honestly being increasingly hopeful about the world, given how many parents want to do this really deep, hard work on themselves. And then as a result, have their kids kind of benefit so much from it. Totally. It's so inspiring to see. I think this new generation of parents, we're all about education. We're all about doing the best and like researching. And I mean, 
I, I talk about it a lot on the podcast. Sometimes it can almost be debilitating the amount of information we hear and read about, and then we start second guessing ourselves, but at the same time, it can be so empowering and freeing. So it's definitely a crazy world to navigate, but I think there's definitely more blessings than, than not. But one of the topics that, again, we always cover here, always trying to hone in on how we can build more confidence in parenting in general, how we parent our kids day to day, how we parent at the table. It's a huge, huge issue. And I know, especially when it comes to starting solids or feeding toddlers, we kind of are entering this whole new world where we all of a sudden don't feel in control. It may feel like just a territory that you think will go one way and then ends up just throwing you for a loop. And so a lot of parents start to feel like, I don't have the confidence to do this. Or I think what I'd like to explore today too is I don't know how to give my my child, my toddler, the confidence to be able to do this either. So let's just start by, you know, going back and just thinking about what is the real definition of confidence. I know you kind of have your own definition, and I I know that it differs from the mainstream idea or definition of what confidence is. So can you explain that a little bit to us first? Yeah, you teed that up for me. I'd love to. I think you can see like I'm getting excited to talk. Um, and before I begin, let me say what, just kind of piggyback on what you said. The potential for information to transform into, oh my goodness, there's too much and I feel like a horrible parent is high for all of us, me included. And one of the things I know about myself is I do, I love to share a million different ideas. But one day my husband said to me, he's like, oh, I wonder if people think that you like do those ideas all the time because like, and and I don't. So, okay. Like that's what he meant. He's like, you should tell people that like, so whatever I say here, I think anybody listening, if there's one thing, you're ahead of the game. If there's one thing that you're thinking, I'm going to try that. And then the best thing about a podcast is you can come back and listen and don't do it all. I don't do it all. So all the things I say, I don't do the same day in my house, right? So these are just ideas. Cherry pick one. That is more than enough. So the topic of confidence, I really think about confidence as not having much to do with feeling good about ourselves. I think that's what we often think. Someone who's confident feels good about themselves. They feel happy about themselves. I think about confidence as our ability to trust ourselves. And if I go deeper there, kind of to trust that we're good feelers of our feelings, that we have a sense of what's happening inside of us. And as a result, I think confidence also can mean I I can feel at home with myself in a wide range of situations. So sure, I can feel at home with myself when I'm happy and I can feel at home with myself when I'm mad or when I'm sad. They're not as pleasant as feeling happy, but I trust those feelings. I don't go into a spiral of self-doubt. Am I feeling that right? Should I be feeling that? Would someone else be feeling like that? Am I overreacting? Am I so sensitive? That spiral we might call it anxiety. It doesn't really matter what we label it, but to me, it shows it's really hard for me to be confident, meaning to trust the signals my body's giving me. And I think what we really want to build in our kids, I can definitely say what I hope for my three kids is that kind of they're at home with themselves in the widest possible range of feelings, right? We all feel good about ourselves when we win or when we get a promotion, right? But that my kids won't feel elated if something bad happens, but they'll be able to find their feet and still feel like themselves and feel grounded. 
Okay. That is an amazing definition. And I just kind of want to break that down a little bit further. So maybe just to, maybe even just for me to make sure I'm yeah. understanding it correctly. So it's definitely about, you're saying trusting your feelings and whatever state, whatever type of feeling that may be, trusting that that is okay and that is right in the moment. Is that kind of what you're saying? Uh, yes, that's a great, exactly. That's exactly it. Trusting that I kind of know what my feelings are and it's okay to be feeling that way. I'm allowed to be feeling that way, mm-hmm. right? I, I always think about someone I went to college with in a seminar. I remember freshman year, she was just like, the smartest girl, you know, probably our whole, in our whole kind of class, um, definitely in that small group. And I remember learning about a topic and I was so confused, but like I looked around and everyone seemed really smart. So I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep going. And I remember this girl putting her hand up in the seminar and saying, I'm sorry, I don't know if everyone else understands, but I actually have no idea what you're talking about. Is there any way you could say it differently? And I remember that day being like, you are the most confident person I know because you're confident in yourself, even when you're confused, you trust being confused. You obviously feel like it's okay to be that way. She probably was able to hold on to herself as a good, smart person, even when she was confused, because we all know you have to hold on to that to put your hand up and voice that. Of course, everyone else in the class is like, thank you so much for voicing what all of us were not confident enough, but confident isn't knowing the material in some ways confident is being able to say, I have no idea what you're saying. I don't understand anything right now. That's kind of real self-trust. Okay. That clarified it so well for me. I love that example. And I'm just picturing again, let's thinking, let's think about that, that new parent starting solids or starting to feed their toddler where all these changes are coming about. And they're thinking, I don't know how much I'm supposed to give them, or I don't know if that was normal behavior, or I don't know if I should offer this food with that food or whatever question comes up and understanding that you don't have to have all the answers to be confident. It's not knowing the knowledge, let's say, uh, you know, having that, let's say education or reading that blog that, that gave you that answer. That's going to make you feel confident. It's understanding that I, I am a good parent and I don't know this and I can maybe find out I can do whatever I want. But at the end of the day, like I feel confident enough to say I am learning and I am, I'm here and I'm doing a great job and this is normal and this is part of it. That's such a beautiful gift you just gave to all your listeners that that is confidence, right? I mean, the confidence of, I don't really know how much I'm supposed to feed my child. Was that a sign that my child's full? Was that just a sign my child wanted a break? Oh my goodness. My friend's feeding her child so much more. They told me how much they're eating and what they're eating. And that deep breath, that confidence really is, I don't know. I've never done this before. And even no matter how many kids you have, I've never done it with this child at this moment before. It's okay not to know. And I'll figure it out. Maybe not today. Maybe tomorrow will be different. That's really exactly, that's the self-confidence that stops us from spiraling. Because at the end of the day, the spiral is a search for a correct answer. Mm-hmm. And the confidence is trusting yourself in the absence, I think, of the certainty of a correct answer, which I think we both know it, it doesn't exist anyway, yeah. right? But that is that is such an empowering, useful definition of confidence for parents, whoever's listening right now, to be like, wait, yeah, I don't know 
that's where my confidence comes from. It's the confidence of, I think my son's done. Well, if in an hour, it doesn't seem like he's done, I'll figure it out. Then that's a confident mom right there or a confident dad right there. Oh my God. Yes. I love that. I love that. I feel like I could talk about that one specific, like even comment that idea for, for another hour, but I want to now move into how can we kind of see and define confidence in toddlerhood? I guess it might be the same thing, but what could that look like for a toddler who's confident and what would it look like for a toddler who's not just so we can kind of picture what that would be like for them? Yeah. You know, I, I think confidence in childhood is coming into your emotions and coming into your bodily sensations, right? I mean, so new to be a kid. It's so confusing, right? I mean, I'm sure definitely at any time in life, but definitely in this last really difficult year, me and you have both had times of like panic, of anxiety, of anger, right? Just, and those feelings, like those actual sensations overwhelm me right? Like when they come on, like, what is this? And then I think about a two-year-old or a four-year-old, right? With no life experience. It's just so overwhelming. So I don't think there is a toddler who's kind of, quote, reached confidence. I think probably all of us are working on it. How do we build confidence? Like what are confidence building moments in kids? It's when we really emphasize to them that they are perceiving things accurately in their body, that they know their feelings better than anybody else. I say this a lot to my kid. You're the only one in your body. You're the only one who could ever know what you like, what you don't like, when you're comfortable, when you're not comfortable. Now, what I do for various decisions is separate from that sometimes, right? Um, And we can get into that. But giving my kid the message over and over, they're in their body They're the only ones who could know the sensations and feelings coursing throughout their body. That is the ultimate way of building confidence. And I think the opposite of that is something so many of us well-intentioned parents do without realizing is we give our kids the idea that we know what's happening for them better than they know what's happening for them. Simple ways like you need a, you need a sweatshirt. It's freezing out. And our kid's like, I'm not cold. And we're kind of saying, I know how your body feels better than you do, or you need to take five more bites before you leave the table. There's no way you're full kind of, I know your body sensations better than you, or how could you be crying about not getting this toy? It's not a big deal. Again, I know how you're feeling better than you know, and are actually showing me how you're feeling. Those are all ways we really reduce confidence because we're really saying to a child, other people know what's happening inside of you better than you know what's happening inside of you. And that's that that's really not a circuit we want to build in our kids' early years. Yeah, that's so enlightening. It's a hard thing, I think, for parents to practice that, you know, that ability to say they actually have this, like they are built to know what they need. They are built to uh, give us, you know, cues as to what they need as well. Like their instincts are natural and they're there for a reason. Like it's a form of communication that is the most natural thing in the world. But sometimes we, like you said, we just kind of have this, our own instinct to say that can't be right. Like I've lived here, you know, on this earth for longer than you. And I know that can't be right. And so I'm going to inflict this and this and this on you. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think, yeah, I think about this binary a lot and I think it really relates back to confidence, which is 
control and trust. I think as a parent, as a human, as a spouse, my husband's probably hoping I apply this to him, that the opposite of control is trust and vice versa. And when we approach someone with control, did you do this, right? We're actually telling them we don't trust them. And if we think about confidence as building self-trust, then we're kind of diminishing their confidence. So when we say to a child, right, um, something about what they have to eat or what do you mean you don't like this? You do like this. You love this. You have to eat this. Then I'm really saying, I don't trust you to make good decisions for your body. Mm -hmm. And especially when our kids are young, they're really looking at their parents and taking in kind of our reflection of who they are. And that really has a huge part of how they form their identity. And I don't think any parent is raising their hand saying, yeah, I want my child to develop an identity around being controlled and not being trustworthy. No, no one wants that, right? And it really comes back, I think, to our work of relinquishing control and trying to trust our kids as separate individuals who truly do know their own bodies. Of course, they need boundaries sometimes. And yet still they have signals that are valid and worthy of being noticed. Okay. Let's talk about that a little bit more. So I like what you said about, of course, the need boundaries, you know, in conjunction with helping yes. them build this confidence and this trust. Yes. So let's, because, you know, uh, obviously I'm going to always bring everything back to feeding for my yes. audience. So let's just talk about, okay, let's say we have a toddler who um, maybe, I mean, it could be around anything. It could be, let's just talk about quantity of food, yep. right? So they come to the table, they are kind of maybe take a bite, maybe take two bites, and they just kind of sit there. They're not that interested in the food. And not even two minutes into the meal, they declare they're done. Okay. Yep. Now, how could you see a confident parent handling this? And what would be a response again that like a, a confident toddler would give? And how can we kind of play this out so that, like you said, we're we're helping instill confidence in them? with their abilities at the table while still maintaining boundaries as well and making sure that overall, you know, we're, we're providing them with what they need health-wise and just in general. Okay, let's, let's bang all of that out. We're going to okay. do all of that right now. <laughs> no, we, we are. Okay. So first things first, right? I think we as parents need to ground ourselves, right? I think telling myself before my kids eat what my kids swallow is not a barometer for my parenting. Whether my kid eats the broccoli or doesn't eat the broccoli, it, it doesn't reflect how good of a parent I am. And I think we're both smiling because we know it sounds ridiculous, but unconsciously, it's so powerful, right? We know our job is to sustain our kids in all the way that that means. And so often food becomes this concrete way where we feel like we're either doing a good job or doing a bad job. And we have to remind ourselves that this is not that. You know, nothing is that actually, nothing is a barometer for our goodness of parenting, but definitely not what my kids eating at dinner. So that's number one. Number two, remind ourselves it's my kid's job to decide what's going on with their signals in their body. That's not my job. Now, how can we intervene after that with, right? You said confidence building and boundaries. I could see stepping in and saying, hey, before you leave the table, I'm just, just noticing your body seems to be telling you right now you're not hungry. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes we're really not that hungry at dinner time. That is true for kids and adults. And it's so good to notice that. Here's something else. Sometimes our body needs a little bit of a break. And then it tells us we are hungry again. That might happen. That might not happen. I'm not sure. 
I wonder if, and then there could be options. I wonder if it would be a good idea for us to sing a couple songs and just do one more body check before you leave the table, right? I wonder if we should come up with a plan of what would happen in an hour from now. Oh, what if your body is hungry then? Let me just tell you what we'll do as a family then so you can take all of that into consideration, right? I also think so much of this needs to happen before you're at the dinner table, right? It would be like, I don't know if there's a basketball player shooting a foul shot to win the game. And then every plan was like coming into mind then like, that's not that helpful. It's good to plan for the end of the game in practice, right? So if you have a kid who goes through this, I have two bites, I'm not hungry. Then usually half an hour later, they want chips, they want pretzels, whatever the things we want to, mm-hmm. and we don't get dinners, right? That's a great thing to plan before at 3 p.m. when it's not dinner time, let's practice. Let's practice the I'm not hungry, which might really be what your body's saying. It also might not. Hmm, what are some of the things we can do to still make sure we're giving our body enough time to notice if it's definitely full? Hmm, right? And then what we're doing is we're kind of practicing without pressure or practicing without our own triggers or our own insecurities. But again, then I think there's this balance of I'm showing my child, I hear the message. I might end up saying again, if it's right in your family, here's the thing, you're totally okay to be done with dinner. If what that means is there won't be another opportunity to eat until this time at that point, whatever it is, I'll give you a peanut butter sandwich or I'll give you a cheese stick. Just wanted to make sure you had all the information before you leave the table. Your body might be hungry for pretzels in a little bit. That's not something we do after dinner. That won't be the option. What do you want to do? I'm totally holding my boundaries, but I'm also really respecting what my child's saying. Oh, okay. So many good tips in there. And I love the script so much. I know all of my listeners love the scripts. So What I really love about what you're saying is that you're really approaching it from a place of curiosity where you are asking them questions and in informing them of what the facts are, what the real situation is and what it's going to be because you've maintained these solid boundaries that you know is right for you and your family. And then within that, equipping them to be able to decide, you know, question things themselves, analyze the situation, and and again, make that decision for themselves, which I could only imagine over time. I mean, maybe the first time they're like, I, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm hungry or not. And then the second time they're like, oh yeah, I was really hungry after, you know, I left the dinner table table early. And then the third time they're like, I know what to do to prevent this, right? So I think that's how I can see anyway, the confidence is building over time by us providing them with that really clear and kind of firm, you know, if that's the right word, structure for them. Yes. I think, you know, another place this comes up all the time for me is like kids who want snacks or dessert all the time, right? And which is normal, right? Those foods are designed to make us want more for me too. We can honor a child's signals, right? We could say, oh, you want ice cream for breakfast? I believe you. It's so delicious. And then we can say after, it's not one of the options. Let's think about something delicious that is an option. That's very different than saying to your kid, come on, you want ice cream for breakfast? That's so ridiculous. And then I'm really kind of invalidating my child, right? Or I'm insinuating that there should be some other way my child should be thinking, right? Which again, that works against a child feeling at home with themselves. The general message is you're not doing your body 
right. You're, you're not feeling it right. So we can really do kind of these two things at once. I know I say this, these two things are true. Like you really want ice cream. I totally believe you. And it's not an option right now. Let's look at the yummy breakfast options we do have. Right. Right. Okay. So, so great. Okay. Now I am wondering a little bit, I want to talk a little bit about what does it mean? Okay. Because, okay, let me, let me rephrase this. What does it mean when a toddler cries based on our, you know, boundary that we we may have set or, you know, phrase or script that we may have used. And then they cry, they retaliate, they kind of protest. I know that a lot of parents take that as a sign that I don't think I did the right thing, or this is making me not feel very confident right now because this can't be the outcome, right? That I'm supposed to be getting. So can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yes. I'm so glad you asked that. So let's go back to that situation. This would happen in my house, right? My youngest is three and a half and he would say, oh, could I have ice cream for breakfast? Right. And I might do all my tricks, right? Here's some of my tricks. You wish you could have ice cream for breakfast. Oh, you really wish. And it would be a big ice cream cone. You wish that. That's like uh, wishing. Or I might just say something like, you really want that. Oh, it's not an option, sweetie. I get that. Let's look at what options we do have. Right. Okay. So I'm seeing, I'm doing. No, I don't say this enough probably, but I don't want anyone in the entire universe to think that my son then looks at me and say, mom, Thank you for validating me. Thank you for being such a sturdy leader. I would actually like to have scrambled eggs and toast. No problem at all. What a great start to the morning. Zero (laughs) times. That's never happened. That will never happen. What happens? I do my thing. He does his thing. What is his thing? It's going to be crying. I don't name the wish or hold a boundary while still validating his feelings to get him to act differently. I do that to help build overall his confidence and emotion regulation skills, because one day he'll come to the morning saying, I wish I could have ice cream and not cry instead of I want ice cream. I want ice cream. I want ice cream and cry. This is a long-term game though. Like this is months, sometimes years. He is crying then. What do I say? Oh, buddy, it's one of those mornings. Oh, nothing seems like it's going to taste good except for ice cream. Or maybe I say nothing. I just sit there and just say, I love you. I'm here. Or I literally say nothing and take a deep breath, reminding myself my job during a tantrum isn't to stop a tantrum, is to keep my body calm and my child safe. My child's safe. He's crying, but he's safe. He's not hitting. He's not kicking. I am focusing on my being calm. The reason so many of us don't stay calm is because we think our job is to stop our kids' tantrum. And they don't stop. It makes us feel ashamed. That's actually what our body is responding to. We get dysregulated. Guess what? Our kids get more dysregulated and went off to the races. So what your child does in response to you holding a boundary or your in response to your kind of amazing parenting trick you learned somewhere, also, that's not a barometer for the impact of your intervention. Oh, love, love, love that. Okay. Now I'd love to just quickly talk a little bit about how maybe our past experiences or ideas or beliefs as parents can affect how we raise our kids and how we maybe project, you know, project things on our kids in terms of, again, confidence, self-esteem issues, things like that. So, yeah, I mean, look, how we were raised and the beliefs that are inside of us 
are really powerful influences in our parenting. They live in our body, right? I mean, I think so many times we often think like, oh, I don't remember those years. Well, we might not remember with our words, but our body is the same body that lived through those years. And our body has created circuitry and set of expectations and almost even definitions for things. And what a great time right now for every listener to say confidence. What is the definition of confidence? What's the vision, the image of confidence? that I think was present in my family of origin, right? Mm -hmm. This is actually really interesting because this actually happened in my private practice a few years ago. I met one session with a family and they had, I think it was like a three or four-year-old. And the next back-to-back session were parents who had a 16-year-old. The kids weren't there. So the first parent literally came in saying, we're just here. We want to talk to you. My kid is really not confident, really shy. She's that kid. Like we go to the gymnastics birthday party, hiding behind me. We go to family hiding behind me. She has so many cousins, so many friends. She sees them all going. Like, why doesn't she just join it? Okay. The second set of parents were parents of a 16 year old who had just gotten suspended from school for being involved in a pretty nasty peer incident, kind of kids being mean to other kids. And their kid was not really the ringleader, but was part of it. And I'm not joking. Parents are like, why is it that my kid can't see other kids doing things and just know like that's not the right thing to do? Why can't my kid be confident enough to make his own decisions just because someone else is doing something doesn't mean like that he should be doing them. And I, they were back to back session. And I was like, oh my goodness, like I should have this recorded because four-year-olds, the confidence definition is join the crowd right away, jump in. 16-year-olds, it's stay back and make your own decisions based on what you know is comfortable for you. Could not be more different, right? So even in those two, just to reflect on, what was I taught about confidence? Usually we're not taught this with our words. We're taught it in how our parents react or what they push us to do or how they talk about us or our siblings in front of friends, right? And if you were in a family where being outgoing, being sociable, joining in, was in some ways honored, then if you have a kid who's more slow to warm up, you're going to be more triggered by that. You're going to even think my kid's not confident versus maybe, wow, my kid's the most confident kid here. I mean, she sees all the other kids doing this gymnastics party and she knows she doesn't want to do it. That's, that's the ultimate confidence, right? So I think just reflecting on how are these things dealt with in my family? What were our the kind of written or unwritten family values? And it's really amazing as an adult. I find this in my own kind of journey. Just be like, do I really believe that? Like my, my family of origin believe that. And as a result, by osmosis, it got into me. And some of the things that were their values are my values, but some of them aren't. It's like very liberating to be like, wait, no. Like, I don't want to be 10 minutes early everywhere. Like, I don't have to leave 30 minutes early just in case there's traffic and then be waiting for friends at restaurants. I still get mad at my husband when I think he's going to make us late because of all my triggers, but I'm working on that because I don't want to carry that kind of with me. Oh my gosh. Okay. That's like, that's so, so cool, honestly, to think about obviously our past experiences, but how it shapes our, our ideas, the way we speak to our kids and in turn, how it's like, I mean, it can kind of scare some people, but how it's like a cyclical thing, but also it gives us the power to be able to recognize and change what we want, which I think is amazing. And that's the type of thing that, again, when I listen to your content, I, I love it so much because it feels really empowering to me. And it feels like, 
I get, I actually get more confidence in that idea that we can, we can do things better and, you know, things aren't so out of our control. Like at least the things that matter aren't out of our control. And also that the more we can, you know, teach this to our children, the more they're going to be able to do this in the future. And it's just like, it's just an amazing picture. So this has just been so, so helpful. I love everything that you've talked about. And I would also love to let all of our listeners know how they could learn more about you and follow you and, um, and just consume so much more of your amazing wisdom. Oh, thank you. So uh, yes, my Instagram handle is Dr. Becky at good inside. So that's Dr. Becky at good inside. And then my own podcast, which is about all things parenting, is Good Inside with Dr. Becky on any podcast player. And then I have a ton of workshops and courses that are on demand. You can watch over and over. One of the ones that comes to mind for right now is my reparenting workshop, which is really about being a psycho breaker. How do I do things differently? How do I show up in so many areas, definitely around food in a way where I do build my kids true body confidence, right? Which doesn't come from how you look, but how you relate to the feelings in your body. And how do I shift intergenerational patterns? And how do I really get down to the nitty gritty and actually get strategies to not only think about those changes, but actually make those changes? So that workshop and so many more are all at learning.goodinside.com. Yes. Check those out. They sound so, so amazing. And thank you so, so much for your time. And I hope to have you back someday soon. I love it. Thank you so much for having me.